your story has to have cohesion and fidelity. It basically has to stick together and make sense. If a story does not stick together and make sense, we actually stop paying attention to it. Like a simple example of this is if you're watching a movie and you see that they're in, in the movie, they say that they're in LAX airport and you know that that's actually Chicago O'Hare. And you go, all of a sudden you stop paying attention to the movie and you go, wait, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't stick together. They're not in LA. We stop experiencing narrative transportation. Therefore, that story has less influence. Well, the research go, talks about that for movies and books, but it also goes into marketing. So when an audience, when a customer can see themselves in your story, they actually experience narrative transportation and your story has a greater influence on them. So in images that you're using, in the words that you're using, and the research shows that narrative transportation can happen in as little as a tweet or an Instagram post. So that's why getting your story right is so important. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today. One that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible. One that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Online Marketing Made Easy. Thank you so much for being here and joining me. I know there are so many podcasts to choose from, but by you being here, I know that you're saying yes to your future and yes to your business. And that, my friend, is a huge freaking deal. Now, on to today's episode. And holy heck, it is a juicy one because today you are going to learn how you can scale your business by using the story brand framework. Now, The story brand framework might ring a bell to you because I've had its creator, Donald Miller, on the show a few times previously. Don is one of the most brilliant marketing minds of this generation. Plus, he's just a really good human being. And what's so cool is that his story brand framework has been used by more than 10,000 organizations, including Intel, Pantene, and Berkshire Hathaway, which very impressive. Now, before you say, but Amy, those are huge brands. I have a small business. Well, I want you to hold your horses because the story brand framework has been just as effective for billion dollar brands as it has been for small businesses. Basically, no matter the size of your business or what it is that your business offers, the human brain is drawn towards the same thing. And as you'll hear more about in this episode, the brain is drawn toward clarity and away from confusion. And that's why the story brand framework is so effective. So here today to teach you how to scale your business using the story brand framework is Dr. JJ Peterson and April Sunshine Hawkins. You've probably heard of them because they're the host of the chart topping podcast, 
Marketing Made Simple, where they serve up practical marketing tips rooted in the story brand framework that can be used to improve marketing, connect with customers, and get more cash in the door. JJ is the head of Story Brand and also co-hosts the Building a Story Brand podcast with Donald Miller. He's a busy guy. And I'll just go ahead and put it out there. When it comes to brand strategy and messaging, JJ is kind of a big deal. And April might just be my kindred spirit because like me, she's an educator at heart. She puts her degree in early childhood education to great use as a teacher for Story Brand, where she helps clients with their social media strategy, copywriting, and so much more. Also, I want to add that my marketing team is traveling to Nashville next month to meet with the Story Brand team here and learn all about it and apply it to our business. Many of us on the team have read the book Story Brand, but we've never been in one of the trainings. And so I am very excited. I'm of course going to be there and I'll probably do another podcast about our experience going through this in person, but there's a lot of other ways you can experience Story Brand and we'll talk about that in this episode. So please help me welcome JJ and April to the show. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Well, hey there, both of you. Good to see you. Hello, Amy. Hi, Amy. I am so looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. We've got both of you on. And before we even start, I want both of you to introduce yourself. So I think ladies first. April, do you want to go first? I would love to go first. Uh, number one, I have to say, congratulations on the New York Times. What? Oh my freaking Thank you. goodness. It was like the, my career highlight. It was a very big deal. So thank you so much. Oh my <laughs> word. I, I just consumed all of the media blitz that you had specifically on Instagram. I was in it for every moment. I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Jasmine star, Jenna Kutcher. Every, everyone is so hype for you. So I, I just had to be a part of the hype. Thank you. And I would definitely call myself a hype girl in my intro. Like that's one of my things. But I'm April Sunshine Hawkins. I am a story brand champion here at uh, Story Brand Business Made Simple. And I am the co-host of the Marketing Made Simple podcast with my amazing partner, Dr. JJ Peterson. Which is me. I'm Dr. JJ Peterson, and I am the head of Story Brand and the co-host of Marketing Made Simple podcast, and also huge Amy Porterfield fan. 
Yes. Oh my, you guys are just too nice to me. And I'm going to have you back every week. We're in it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Can you tell my listeners about what it is that so many businesses, even the ones who hire expensive agencies to help them get wrong with their marketing? Yeah, it really is kind of heartbreaking for us that so many companies waste enormous amounts of money and on marketing. And the main reason that they end up wasting money is because their messaging is confusing. Most companies really are too close to their product and services to fully explain to their customers what they offer in a way that just invites customers right in to do business with them. That is really one of the biggest things. Their messaging is just purely confusing because, and here's why that matters and why that's hurting them. We receive between three to 5,000 commercial messages a day. At all of us at any given moment, depending on the research you read, three to 5,000 commercial messages, which means we're being bombarded with information at every given moment of our lives <laughs> that we're awake pretty much. Yes. And so what then that means is, is that when we are putting messaging out there as a company, we're fighting against all of that noise that is just going at our customers at any given moment. And the messages that are going to actually get through and get to our customers are the ones that are clear, are compelling, and the, here's the really important part, actually show how our products can contribute to our customers' survival and thriving. Because we are actually designed, our brains really, the way our brains work is to pay attention to information that contributes to our survival and thriving. So basically, and there's a whole bunch of research behind this, but the bottom line is, if your messaging is confusing, if it's overwhelming, if it doesn't tell your customer's story in a way that shows them how your product solves a problem and contributes to their survival and thriving, they are out because they don't have time for that nonsense. <laughs> they don't have, they're getting bombarded with too much information every single day. Okay. That is powerful. I don't think anyone's explained it like that on the podcast before, and it makes absolute perfect sense. So I'm glad we're starting there because what we're going to share coming up kind of relates to exactly what you just said. So here's my next question. There's something I love in the Building a Story Brand book called the Marketing Grunt Test. And it's great because it's three questions that you can ask yourself to determine if your marketing does a good job of engaging your audience. So can you walk us through those questions? Would love to walk you through those questions. So the Grunt Test is basically, could a cave person man, woman, who, whoever you might be, <laughs> could a cave person grunt out what it is you do in a really simple, clear way? And the way that you figure out if you are passing the grunt test on your website or in your social media post or wherever you're putting this marketing message, the three questions that you need to answer are, what do you offer? How does it make your customer's life better? And what does your customer need to do in order to get it? And if you answer those three questions, then you're really off to the races. And the cave person would be able to grunt it out very simply and easily and not have to go looking or scanning through your whole website to try to figure that out. They would just be able to see it right there 
at the top, specifically in the header of your website, so that it makes it really easy for them to go, oh, yeah, this is for me. I know why it actually makes my life better. And I know exactly what this person wants me to do in order to do business with them. Okay, that's powerful. We love to ask questions like that. So again, what do you offer? How will it make my life better? And what do I need to do to buy it? And you're saying not only are those questions important, but they should be very clear. Like, let's say the, the above the fold on your website there, they should be able to find them like that. That's right. That's right. The header, the subheader, and then the call to action buttons. That's what that language should contain. The answers to those three questions. And the research shows that actually 70% of small businesses in America do not have a clear call to action on their website, which is, is again, heartbreaking because the only way people can buy a product is if you show them how to buy it by a buy now button, or if you are a consultant, schedule an appointment or download this. You need something that people can immediately take action on. And 70% of small businesses in America do not have a clear call to action on their website. And that alone, if you just answered that part of the grunt test, which answers the question, what do I need to do to get your product? If you can have a strong call to action, honestly, that's like 50% of the battle right there. You're going to beat those other 70% of businesses that don't even have that. Okay. Totally agree. But I have a question for you. So I teach people how to grow their email list. And so what I teach, and you tell me if you disagree with this, because I really want to have a conversation. What I teach is that above the fold, Our call to action is to get them into your email list by offering something irresistible that's absolutely free. Because a lot of people that I work with, they have either digital courses, memberships, consulting services, or anything like that, but they're thousands of dollars. So I'm typically not teaching right away. They come to your website, sell them a $2,000 digital course. So what's your thought behind that? Yeah, I I agree and disagree a little. (laughs) Okay, good. Tell me. We call what you're talking about getting somebody's email from them by offering something of value. We call that a transitional call to action. You should have both on your websites. So you have a direct call to action that is a buy now button, shop now, or even, you know, schedule an appointment, as well as that transitional call to get their email, especially when they're not ready to buy a thousand dollar course or If you're not launching the course right away, like if you're holding for a launch later, then absolutely the transitional call is actually the main thing you should do. If you can't, if people can't buy it right now, then the main call to action should be that transitional call button to get their email. But even with a direct call to action on your website, you should probably have a pop-up that comes up that offers them something of value for free in order to get an email address. And then I also like to put both the direct and indirect or transitional call to action in the header of a website often because you can have both. If they're ready to buy, you show them exactly what they're supposed to do. If they want to learn more about you and continue to grow in the relationship, then they download your PDF, give you their email address, and then you can sell them on your product through emails. We have an example of this on our story brand guide website. We're trying to get people to become certified with us because they love our framework. And so our main call to action is to apply 
Like we want you to apply for the program, but if you're not quite ready to do that, we offer a transitional call to action, which is a 10 step checklist for building and growing your marketing business. So we're already giving them a lot of value and telling them how they can start doing it on their own, but maybe they're not quite ready to apply yet, but we want them to apply. That is the main, main thing we want them to do. And at the end of that application, they're going to schedule a call to talk to somebody on our team. Okay, love this. What's the URL? I want it, I want people to be able to see an example of this. Storybrand.com slash guide. Perfect. Okay, so if you want to see an example of both in action, because I haven't seen that a lot, go there right now, storybrand.com forward slash guide. You got it. Okay, so that very, very helpful. I love the way you explain that. So now I want to talk about storytelling. So why are stories such a powerful tool when it comes to marketing? And I'm asking this selfishly because one thing I've realized, I was on stage recently at my own book event and Jasmine Starr and Jenna Kutcher, like you mentioned earlier, they spoke as well. And I watched them and they told story after story after story. I don't do that naturally. Stories for some reason do not come natural to me when I'm teaching or on stage. I'm so focused on the step one, step two, step three, and this is how you do it that I lose. And I always sometimes think the story is too fluffy and it's just going to take too much time. So I need to teach them the three steps or whatever. And I know that's not right. So can you kind of give me, shed some light on this for me? Well, uh, first off, I would say that I, I, once again, I'm going to disagree with you. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do think you tell a story when you're on stage. And this is where, this is a common misconception, I think. People think that stories or telling a story on stage is all about an event that happened or an example that happened that involved, you know, something funny that happened to you. You have to be entertaining with it. You have to be emotional with it, move people with the, because it's such a sentimental story. That is one form of story. But story is actually formulaic. And the way that story works is story is kind of this well-worn path of information, right? Basically, story formula, what it does is that it shows us how to make sense of information. Story is a sense-making device. So when you get up on stage and you tell the audience almost exactly what we just did at the start of this podcast. You said so many companies are wasting money on marketing. That invites us into a story about people who are wasting money on marketing. Then we ramp up the stakes. We create some tension by going into a little bit more. I say we're bombarded with three to 5,000 commercial messages a day. And then we are starting to move into the phase where we're going to give people some actual real tangible help with three steps, three questions. That's part of the story as well. We're going to probably close out this podcast by casting a vision for what people can do with their lives once they have this information. That is actually a complete story. It is an audience, your audience, the podcast, who has a problem, who wants something. They want something. They want to be transformed by the story that we're about to tell. Then you bring us in as guides who come alongside and give information to help guide and move the character forward. Now we're giving them a plan with information that ultimately we will call them to action and cast a vision for better life. I just gave you kind of a broken down version of what story is. Story is that kind of formula. There are actually seven elements of story. Story means the seven elements are there's always a character who wants something. 
that character then, and, and you'll see this in every movie and book you, you, you experience, that there is a character who wants something, who then encounters a problem, something of the only way a story gets good is if the main character experiences some kind of problem. Then that hero, that's, that main character can't get out of the problem on their own, so they meet a guide somebody who comes alongside like a Yoda or a Gandalf, somebody who's going to help them win the day, who gives them a plan, the information that helps them move forward, and then ultimately calls them to action that results in success or failure. Those seven elements are in every good story. So when you get up on stage, you are actually an amazing storyteller because you're following that formula even when you're not bringing in quote unquote examples to heighten the pieces of information you're giving or backstory on it, but you're actually a really good storyteller. And then the, when like Jasmine and different people bring in kind of those extra stories as well, the examples that they're bringing in, they're using the same formula in those stories. They're choosing good stories based on probably, I would imagine, they had a problem and they were really struggling. And then this is how they overcame that problem. And this is what life is like now. (laughs) So they're going through that whole thing. And so that's really what story is about. Story is a sense making device. It takes all of the information that you have to share with people and says, these are the important things you need to focus on in order for your life to move forward in a better way. So when you are presenting a plan to people about how to do their email marketing, you're actually telling a story because you're organizing the information in a way that helps make sense for people. So that is why it's so important, going back to your original question, why is story so important? When we are bombarding people with information, we, people are getting overwhelmed. Let's specifically say somebody is about to launch a new course. They've worked with you. They're about to launch a new course. And they want to tell their audience everything that's in that course, all the exciting things, all of the background that got them there to create this course. And they're going on and on and on about that information. They're just bombarding people with information. That's actually going to overwhelm people and they're going to tune out. But if they take all the things they know about their course and create sound bites that follow those seven elements of story, understand what their audience wants, what problems their audience have that this course can help overcome, how they specifically can be their Yoda, the guide to their customer by showing them their experience and how much they care about them, and then give them a real specific three-step plan on how to take the course or buy the course, then give them a call to action and then cast a vision for what life is like if they do or don't buy the course. If they create those seven talking points, now we've taken all the information and we've narrowed it down to the things that will actually make sense for our customers' lives and their story. Oh, that is powerful. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers. And I know you're doing important work. 
And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. While you were talking, a question came up. I was thinking out of all of those uh, seven steps or principles in the framework, which one do you think most business owners struggle with the most? Ooh, uh, okay, Amy. Uh, <laughs> and I might differ on opinion on this one. Okay. okay. All right. So I, I do think that call to action is one of the most difficult. And JJ, you mentioned that earlier because it, it, it is so heartbreaking that so many people leave that off of their website or out of their social media posts or out of their presentations even, or, or they overwhelm people with way too many calls to action. I was talking with a business owner the other day and he, at the end of an event was like, we asked people to do five different things. How are they going to know the thing that we actually want them to do if we ask them to do all five of those? And so call to action, I think, is the one that makes the biggest difference in like the bottom line (laughs) because it's the one that actually generates the business. But I think that the one that people misinterpret the most is the problem that their customers are experiencing. Whoa. Tell me more. I would think that they are very clear on the problem. No. You would really think that. (laughs) I think they think they're being clear on the problem. Yeah. Okay. And I think sometimes they got into business for one reason and then their business grows and shifts and changes and morphs. And then they lose sight of what the actual tangible problem is that they solve. And they either again go overboard being like, here are all the things, here are all the problems and, and people are way too overwhelmed. Or they just miss the mark and they're not using language that's resonating with their actual customer anymore because 
either the customer has changed or the business has changed. And so we're going into organizations all the time and people are just really struggling to nail it. And that that's really a, a tough spot. And the reason why that they mess that up so much is because that's actually the most important piece of the story framework, right? If there is no problem in a story, there is no story, right? So if, if I was telling you a story and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Amy, this morning it, it was so crazy. I got up and I had coffee <laughs> and I sat on my couch uh-huh. and I, um, drank it come on <laughs> you're kind of like waiting going like, so uh, t- why are you telling me this this is a boring story right now if instead if i change it and i go okay amy you're not gonna believe what happened to me this morning i had my coffee i'm sitting on my couch and all of a sudden a car comes crashing through my dining room window and then i go so um anyway marketing <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 wait, what happened? Tell, tell me what happened to the car. Oh, uh, you know, you want to know the end of that story. Well, that problem in a story, if there is no problem, there is, it's not an interesting story. When you talk about the problem in a story, what it really does, the main character is experiencing is it hooks the audience to say, is this story going to be solved? And it really hooks the audience. And so in our marketing story, that piece of really nailing and naming your customer's problem, what that does is it invites them in. Even just using language like, you know how, I mean, just like starting a sentence like that. You know how so many people waste money on marketing because they feel like they're throwing spaghetti at a wall at trying to figure out what works? And all of a sudden, somebody who's experiencing that is going to go, yes. Well, now they're hooked. They want, if you just walked away from that story, they're frustrated, right? Because they're yeah. Instead, I, I have to then go into the story and go, well, at StoryBrand, what we actually do is help people clarify their marketing message with the power of story. And they're like, go on, right? <laughs> they want to know more. And that's why, so the problem of all the elements of story, really that understanding the problem the main character is experiencing. And when, when we talk about that in the context of marketing, what we're talking about is your customer is the main character of your story as a company. You are not. Your customer is the main character of the story. So you're identifying what is their problem that they're experiencing. And when you can name that in your marketing and name it well, like April said, not name 20 problems they're experiencing, but one that you're going to hook them. And now they're going to be into your story. And here's kind of one more thing. I'll get a little nerdy and then I'll shut up for about it. But <laughs> so my dissertation is in narrative theory and specifically in narrative marketing. You had asked a while back again, why is story so important? There's study in communication theory and there's an area called narrative transportation. And the idea behind it is that when we as an audience experience or see or read a good story, we experience narrative transportation. We actually put ourselves into the story. So if you ever like cried in a movie or jumped, you've experienced some form of narrative transportation. You've emotionally put yourself in that story. Well, the research shows that the higher level of narrative transportation people experience through a story the more influence that story has over their thoughts and their action. So the more you can see yourself in the story, the more it influences your thoughts or actions. Now, 
here's where then it really gets kind of the nerdy part is that the there are basically this 15 point scale of on how you achieve narrative transportation but the biggest piece of it is that your story has to have cohesion and fidelity it basically has to stick together and make sense if a story does not stick together and make sense we actually stop paying attention to it like a simple example of this is if you're watching a movie and you see that they're in in the movie, they say that they're in LAX airport and you know that that's actually Chicago O'Hare. And you go, all of a sudden you stop paying attention to the movie and you go, wait, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't stick together. They're not in LA. We stop experiencing narrative transportation. Therefore, that story has less influence. Well, the research talks about that for movies and books, but it also goes into marketing. So when an audience, when a customer can see themselves in your story, they actually experience narrative transportation and your story has a greater influence on them. So in images that you're using, in the words that you're using, and the research shows that narrative transportation can happen in as little as a tweet or an Instagram post. So that's why getting your story right is so important. When you are telling the right story that uses the right words, that is interesting and clear and compelling, and your customer can say, yes, that's my story. I'm in that. That's the problem I'm experiencing. They will experience narrative transportation in a greater way, which means your words will actually have a bigger influence on their actions. That is some good stuff. I mean, glad we brought the doctor today because come on, right? Okay. So no, that was powerful. And I've never heard you talk about that before. So I love it. Also, one thing that came up to, especially when I saw you both on camera, when we started the interview is that I got to be with both of you when I spoke at a recent event, one of your recent events. And I was backstage with April. She was she was guiding me and telling me where I was going to go. And she was making me feel less nervous. And you were on stage, JJ. You were introducing me, I think, but you were setting it up. And the crowd was howling. They thought you were the funniest person in the world. They laughed and laughed and laughed. And my anxiety is going up and up and up. I'm like, holy cow, what is he doing out there? He's making them love him and they're going to hate me because I not think I'm that funny. And so I just, I'm really not, I'm not naturally funny. I couldn't tell a joke to save my life. And when I'm funny is when I'm kind of making fun of myself. But other than that, I really am not. And I know April's funny. I have no doubt in my mind if April gets on stage, people are laughing. So my thing is, do you have to be that kind of entertainer to tell a great story? Because I genuinely am not. Absolutely not. And Amy, I would say that you must like go like blind or like deaf whenever (laughs) you step on a stage and you're just like, here's my, here's my thing. And you just like find everything out because. You slayed like oh, JJ well. at the crowd, and then you stepped on stage, and and you had people in stitches, and so okay. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It did not feel that way, and I really and I really get nervous doing getting on stage and doing that thing. But I do think it comes more natural to you too. So that's where I start. I get in my head, and I know some of my audience is like, I'm not naturally funny, or I'm not naturally emotive, or whatever it might be. What about the emotion side of it? I'm going to say, okay, so listener, 
I'm I'm gonna be a, a more along what you're what you're talking about, Amy. Okay. Like I am not as naturally funny. I'm a I'm a person who came from a background where it, I was meant to be quiet and listen and you know let other people do the talking, and so I've had to do a lot of practicing of using my voice and figuring that out and and doing improv like taking an improv class. Oh. I'm terrible at improv, but, but it helped me break down those layers of like all the filters that my message had to go through in order to actually get it out. And that's where the story brand framework really helped step in for me because it, it gives me a grounded confidence that these words are going to connect and they are going to resonate. And I, it gives me permission to be a great guide and not making this about me, right? Oh, yes. Someone else and helping them along their journey and giving them the tools that they need along their way. I love playing the Yoda role. Uh, I'm an Enneagram too. I'm an helper. Like that's, that's just my, my vibe. And so whenever I get to have empathy towards how my customers are feeling, then I get to ground myself in that and go, if, if I don't say this to them, they're, they're not going to be helped along their way. And that's really what this whole journey and world is about. It's about helping make this world a little bit easier. And, and that's why we have a podcast in the first place. That's why the story brand framework exists. It's just, we're trying to make marketing easier and make it work for people. And Amy, I'll just, I'll ask you this question because I, and I think I know the answer to this. Okay. (laughs) Off stage. And, and as a, as a person in business, okay, we're human first, but obviously as a person in business, would you rather to s- people say that you were likable or that you helped them? Oh, I love this question. Absolutely that I helped them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who focus, uh, there are some amazing communicators who are hilarious and who tell amazing stories, but I do think that a lot of people sacrifice helping other people for the sake of being liked when they're on stage. And that's, that's a challenge I would offer anybody who, even if you are naturally funny, if you are sacrificing effectiveness and helping other people for the sake of being liked, I think you're actually doing a disservice to your audience. So you can be funny. Yes, that breaks the ice. You can be emotionally connected to the audience. That helps with narrative transportation as well, because they can see themselves in you. All of those things are true. However, when somebody gets up on stage and starts with a joke, I usually go, oh, they want to be liked. They're not here to help. If somebody gets up on stage and says, all of us struggle with our marketing, and here's why. Now I know that person doesn't care if I like them or not. (laughs) And here's the fun thing about it is that when you actually help people, then you are liked and you are memorable. So that first thing I would say is that remember why you're in those spaces for everybody listening. Remember why you're there. You're not there to be liked as a person. I mean, that's more harsh than I mean it, but you're there to help people. And so don't focus on being entertaining. Add entertaining later, but be focused on helping them overcome their problems. That's thing one. Then since I already brought in the doctor stuff, let me add one more thing here. 
So there's actually a bunch of part of my study was in comedy and drama, understanding the narrative differences between the two. If you are an elite brand that you focus, you have, uh, you cost a little bit more, like, well, I'll take it to an extreme, like Gucci, BMW, elite kind of brand, you actually shouldn't use humor in your brand message. Interesting. Because in story theory, drama is actually, this all, this goes back to Aristotle and Plato, like all the way back in poetics, they would write that if you want to move the elite of a culture, you have to use drama because drama is based on the gain or loss of status. That's why all drama things are about people in positions of power. So you have politicians, lawyers, doctors, policemen. You don't have dramas about garbage men or people who serve coffee at a coffee shop. Those are comedies because comedy is aimed at the masses. So if you have an elite brand, you'll never see Gucci, BMW try to be funny. You'll see Doritos, Bud Light, Taco Bell try to be funny because they're aimed at the masses. Comedy neutralizes and makes status non a non-thing. So it makes it's designed to be for the everyman. Elite is drama. So if you're a brand that kind of is in that elite space, I actually would, you will make a mistake by being funny. If you are aimed at the masses, you can still use drama for sure, but you can also use comedy. So that's kind of the differentiation. Elite, no comedy. For the masses, you can use comedy and drama. Okay, fantastic. That makes perfect sense. I am loving this conversation. This is making me so happy. Okay, so while you were talking, I thought, I want them to tell me a success story of a small business that you've worked with that has used the story brand framework. Like, I'd love to hear how they started, what was off about their marketing, maybe, what did they do to clarify that message? I need to kind of see this come together. We can, do you have one? Oh man, I, there are so many. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the hospital. Yeah. I worked with the Orange County Children's Hospital. And which is not that's a, a big small one. Business. Sorry. Sorry. Not a small business, but you're gonna love the story. Yeah, not not a small business, but Orange County Children's Hospital. And it is a little bit their audience that I'm gonna talk about actually was a quote unquote small business because they're kind of their big branding we had already worked on and had done really well. What I came in and specifically worked with them over a couple of days to work on their internal branding. So it was a small business because mm-hmm. they were gonna they were targeting their employees. Their employees were the audience and recruiting new doctors to join, recruiting anybody in, to work in the hospital. And, you know, normally in that context, you would be like, we're one of the top children's hospitals in the world. Here's all the benefits you can get. Here's all the da da da. And they would give all this information about the hospital and how great the hospital was. And what they ended up shifting the message to become was say, all right, who is our audience here? It is, we're recruiting people to work here or our employees. So they need to be the hero of the story. So how do we make them the hero of the story versus the hospital? And what they actually ended up coming up with was the, and this is a piece of storytelling, which is called aspirational identity. They're saying, who do the people want to become when they work here? And how do we help them become that through the story? And they chose the mighty brigade. So the mighty brigade who protects childhood. That's really what they said. So when you join the Orange County Children's Hospital, whether you are a janitor or a doctor or a surgeon or a nurse, 
you are coming in and joining a mighty brigade. And they went around and they actually had kind of three statements because that's part of giving somebody, quote unquote, a good plan of how to become this. Three statements that everybody can say, I believe, right? And they're like, I believe that childhood is precious and is meant to be protected. I believe that everybody deserves to great health care, even if they can't afford it, right? And instead of going, well, here's your retirement package, and here's all the things, and here's all the papers you need to sign, they invited new recruits and new doctors into a story where they got to be a part of a mighty brigade of protecting childhood. And people were begging to sign this document. I mean, they were like going, they thought, okay, we're going to have, you know, think about any company with HR that's like, hey, everybody needs to sign this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. to sign it. They used it in all of their interviews. They used it in all recruitment. And it did such amazing things, not only for morale of the hospital staff, but for recruitment and bringing other doctors in. And that's just so easy to see very quickly how changing from making the story about, quote unquote, yourself to making the story about your audience and their story. And every small business can do that, right? Instead of walking in and going, what is it that we can offer? That's often where we start with marketing. It's like, we do this, we're the best at this. And, and instead going, no, what is it that your customer really wants? What is the problem that they're experiencing? And that alone, when you start your story with that and you use those talking points to begin your marketing story, what you are doing in that moment is you are positioning your customer as the hero of the story. And that's really the whole point of all of this. Make your customer the hero. The role you play in the story is the guide. You get to be Yoda. They get to be Luke Skywalker. And they get to win the day. Oh, amen to that. I know people are listening and they're like, I want to do this. So (laughs) I I want you both to tell me, where can people go learn more about you and the story brand framework? What if they want to dive in? So the best way to get started really is with what we call a brand script. And a brand script is basically, it's a piece of paper that really shows you the seven different elements of story that we talked about today. And each section has just a box on it that you can start writing down talking points for that part of your story. And we've actually created an online version. And people can go get that at storybrand.com slash brand script. One word. So storybrand.com slash brand script. And people can just go on there and kind of just play around with the electronic version and start putting talking points down. And when you do that, what it does is it begins to take all the information you have about your company, about your story, and first off, focuses it on your customer and focuses the information down so that it's short talking points that actually make sense to your customer get rid of all of the noise, get rid of all of the confusion and make your customer the hero. So that's storybrand.com slash brand script. Fantastic. April and JJ, I absolutely love spending time with you. I want you guys to come over to my house and like have a drink tonight. That's how much fun I have with you. So maybe we need to make that happen where both of you, wait, I know JJ, you're here, but April, do you live here? I do. Yes. Okay, great. All right. The word might need to make it happen, but I am so excited that I got to talk to both of you. Thank you so very much. As I mentioned in the intro, my entire marketing team is going to get to work with you on StoryBrand. We've never done it. We're very excited. So I'm sure I'll do a podcast explaining my own process and what it was like for us. So this is just the, just the beginning. So thank you very much. 
Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks, Amy. All right, my friend, how incredible is the story brand framework? I'll be honest. Sometimes I feel like many marketing strategies are convoluted and super complicated, and I love how simple they make the story brand framework. No matter where you are in your business, whether you're just getting started or you've been established for a while, this is a great reminder that marketing does not have to be as difficult as it might seem. I have to say, I'm really looking forward even more now to learning StoryBrand with my marketing team and taking all my learnings back to this podcast and sharing with you. So I'm meeting with them next month, so we shall see. As always, thank you for joining me here. I have so many amazing episodes coming down the pipeline. So I hope you'll join me every Tuesday for a shorty episode and every Thursday for those step-by-step episodes that I know you love or my episodes with guests. Also, if you could, will you go ahead and share this podcast with one of your favorite friends? Just grab the link, text it to them, and maybe it could help them with their marketing as well. And if you haven't done so already, can you rate my podcast? The more ratings we get, the more opportunity we get in front of new people that we can help. And I would be so forever grateful. All right. Thanks for joining me today. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.